going to be reading today from Colossians chapter number one. And as I had mentioned before, I am doing a series to some extent without really broadcasting the series. But Colossians chapter one, I'm going to read verses nine through 14. It says this, for this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience joyously giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. For he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. I want to preach for just a little bit, hopefully just a little bit today, on this thought growing in spiritual maturity growing in spiritual maturity god bless you you may be seated today maturity is common word in our vocabulary we talk about things being mature or ripened it is one of the uses of mature is when fruit is mature it has ripened or when our investments or our CDs or various uh, things, investment vehicles, reach their, their expiration date, like a one-year CD, when it hits that one-year mark, it has matured. That's a common use of the word, but maturity in its essence is the quality or state of being mature, which doesn't really help us much when we try to define it by saying mature is being mature, and so... To be mature then means this, having completed natural growth and development. Coming to a stage of completeness where it has reached the point that it is supposed to have arrived at. The natural growth and development of an object or fruit or an investment vehicle. We actually in our culture today, in our politically correct culture, we don't call people old anymore. They are either seniors or they are mature. Everybody use that word for mature. You got the mature people are in the room. And, and typically it is referring when people use mature in that kind of sense for elders or, or senior citizens, it is related to their age and not to their actual maturity level. And the reality is this, is that age doesn't necessarily make a person mature. That you can grow to be my age of 50 or older and still be immature. Still not be, uh, have completed that natural growth and development process. So age doesn't necessarily equate with maturity. And what I have discovered is this, is that responsibility in, in our natural lives, responsibility is a prerequisite for maturity. I've seen people who 
at the age of 10 or 12 or whatever age demonstrate a maturity far beyond their years. And typically when that happens, it is because they have had to be responsible for things that most 10-year-olds or 12-year-olds haven't had to be responsible for. In fact, in our culture today, part of the reason that people mature at a later and later stage is because they are given less and less responsibility. Back in the day, if you were eight years old and you were living on the family farm, you're out working in the farm. You're out working and you have responsibility and there are things that you have to do and you don't do those things, there are consequences. But as our society has become more uh, placed in cities and there's no family farm and there's no work and, and in fact people wait longer and longer to get jobs and to have any kind of responsibility. And while that's not all bad, that lack of responsibility causes people to mature at a later and later age. In a spiritual sense, and you see it on the screen, that I'm going to be talking about growing in spiritual maturity, in a spiritual sense, that spiritual maturity can be defined this way, the quality or state of being spiritually mature. That doesn't help us much. So then if I, if I take that natural definition and make it spiritual, having completed spiritual growth and development. That there is an expectation that we would grow spiritually. There is a biblical expectation and a God expectation that we would progress in our maturity and that we would not be the same next year spiritually that we are today. There is an expectation that five years from now we would be more spiritually mature than we are today. There is an expectation that having had the Holy Ghost for some 39 years that I would be more spiritually mature today than I was 39 years ago or 29 years ago or 19 years ago or even 9 years ago. There is an expectation that I am in a process of growing and being spiritually mature the reality is this is that God has preordained that the church will be conformed to the image of Christ so in some sense everyone who is born again and everyone who is part of the body of Christ we will reach a maturity at some point as we are conformed to the image of Jesus Christ but God has not ordained it that we would just wait until that day when he does an immediate work of transformation, but he wants us to be in the process of growing and maturing. And what is true in the natural, that age doesn't necessarily make a person mature, spiritually it is also true that time as a Christian doesn't necessarily make a person spiritually mature. There are a number of mechanisms for growth, and I'm still in my introduction, but there are some mechanisms of growth, and one of those is church attendance and participation. Not spectatorship, not just watching, but participation. And another mechanism of growth is serving. Another mechanism of spiritual maturity and growth is prayer and fasting and Bible intake, so reading God's Word, studying God's Word, all 
of those things that I just mentioned are part of that process of helping us to grow spiritually in our relationship with Jesus. So some questions that I have that will be addressed in the remainder of this message. Do we need to be concerned about spiritual growth and maturity? Can we just sit back and just hope that God will do it all? That He is the one who has made us born again, so we'll just leave it all on Him. God, just make me what You, you want me to be, and I'm just going to sit here and do my thing and while you do yours. How can we ensure that we become mature? And what makes growth and maturity possible? How can we know that we are actually progressing? What will enable us to be mature? And maybe, most importantly, what will motivate us to want to be mature? The text that I read is... Paul's letter to the church at Colossae. He has, he was the one who founded the church and now he is writing back to them. And from this particular passage that I read, I'm going to bring to your attention a number of truths about spiritual maturity. The first truth is this, is that spiritual maturity is possible when we are filled. Paul would write in verse 9, For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. That Paul, who started the church in Colossae, he is now hearing of their spiritual growth. He is now hearing that they are making strides in their relationship with Jesus. He, he's hearing that Man, something good is happening. They're not just new converts. Now they're becoming seasoned saints and seasoned Christians. And he says, I pray that you be filled with the knowledge of His will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. What I want you to understand is this, is that being filled with all knowledge and spiritual wisdom and understanding is not an automatic event. That we, so let me, let me help us with this. When, when we read the Bible, we should read the Bible and look for the reasons why the words are there. If I could say it this way, it's that God is not meeting a word quota. That He's not just trying to get a certain amount of letters on the page or words on a page, but every word matters and the words are written with purpose. When I was in, I don't even remember writing papers in high school, but when I was in, in college and seminary, we would have to write papers, and our, our papers would have to be a certain amount of words or a certain length, you know, 10 pages, 8 pages, whatever, or 1,500 words or 2,000 words. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And when I would write the papers, while I wanted to get a good grade, some of what I was doing was just trying to meet the criteria. I just wanted to make sure I put enough words on the page to meet the criteria. If I needed 1,500 words, I was going to do 1,500 words, and hopefully they made sense. But my goal wasn't because I wanted to expound some great principle or some great truth, but my goal was to get 1,500 words on the page. 
God is not concerned with getting a certain amount of words on a page or a certain amount of words in the Bible and going, well, I need the Bible, man, it's too thin. We've got to add some more to it. He doesn't do that. So everything that is written in the Word of God has a purpose, and there, it is our responsibility to, to figure out what is behind that. So when Paul says something like this, I pray that you would be filled with this, with all spiritual wisdom and understanding, that tells us that it is not an automatic event. That the people he is writing to, they're Christians, they're born again. They have decided to follow Jesus. They have repented of their sins. They have been baptized in water in the name of Jesus. And they have been filled with the Spirit. But he says you still need some additional things to grow as a Christian. And he says, I pray that you would be filled with these things. And so what I want us to understand is this, is that when we are filled with the knowledge of His will, and we're filled with all spiritual wisdom and understanding, we can become spiritually mature, but it takes us being filled with His Word. It takes us being filled with, with obtaining the knowledge of what He's like, and it takes us spending time in prayer and saying, God, speak to me, and God, work in me, and God, help me to know you more. He prays that we would be filled. The second thing I want you to see is this, is that spiritual maturity is demonstrated when we walk worthy of the Lord. It's possible when we're filled, but it's demonstrated when we walk worthy of the Lord. How do you know if you're maturing as a Christian? How do you know if you're making strides in your relationship with Jesus? There's no test. You can't go to spiritualmaturity.com. I don't know if that exists, but I wouldn't check it out. <laughs> but you can't just go to spiritualmaturity.com and take a little test and go, yep, man, I'm good. How do you know if you're becoming what he wants you to be? It's about whether or not you are walking worthy of the Lord. If you're walking worthy or in a manner that is pleasing to Him, Colossians 1.10 would say, so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, to please Him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. I've already referenced it. I received the Holy Ghost November the 12th will be 39 years of the day. I hope that I am walking more worthy of the Lord today than I was back then. That if I call myself a Christian, I, I want to walk in a way that is pleasing to Him and a way that is bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. And how do I know I'm being spiritually mature if I'm walking in that way that's making him happy, if I'm walking in a way that is making him glorified in the world. When the Bible uses the word walk, it doesn't mean, and I think I talked about this a, a few weeks ago, it doesn't mean our, our actual walk, that we're just walking down the street and i got to walk a certain way or take a number of steps, that walk is really our manner of life, that I am living in a way 
that is pleasing to God. That what I do seven days a week, what I do in public and what I do in private are pleasing to God. That my witness to the community is pleasing to God. That my reactions and my response to people and to situations and circumstances are pleasing to God. That my speech is pleasing to God. If I still live the same way and act the same way and talk the same way and do the same sins as I did when I decided to follow Jesus, then I'm not really growing in spiritual maturity. I'm not really walking in a way, in a manner worthy of the Lord. Now, I am, I've been raised around church all of my life. And there are a lot of things that I'm not tempted to. I'm not tempted to go into Walmart and steal something. Just, it's not a temptation I have. I didn't, I, I'm not tempted to go out and get drunk. No desire to drink. I, I'm not tempted to go out and smoke marijuana, whether legal or not legal. I'm not, I'm, it's, it's not a temptation. But there are plenty of things in life that seemingly are not so big. I'm a very impatient person. Hopefully I hide that well. <laughs> when I go through the drive-thru and they're taking forever and I'm in a hurry, I have a tendency to get impatient. And typically when people are impatient, they say stuff to the people they're impatient with. So my natural tendency is to be like, asking, what's going on? What, get your act together. But that's not very Christ-like. So I try to refrain from doing that. But I don't always refrain from doing that. In fact, it was during our church planting conference in September, and, and I may have referenced this, we went to a restaurant on Thursday night. I'd preset it all up. We were going to a different restaurant on Friday night. I had already had a reservation. Service went long. And I knew it was going to go long, so I went out, I stepped out and called somebody else. Was I stepped out and called, hey, we're not going to make it at the time. And, they said, well, as long as you make it by 9.30, no big deal. 9.30 comes and goes, and we're still in church. We have to change our plans. I'm already irritated. Not in a Christ-like manner. I'm just irritated. We go back to the same restaurant that we had went to on Thursday. And my irritation level goes up about 17 notches. You've been to a restaurant since COVID, <laughs> you know people are shorthanded, don't have servers, don't have cooks, whatever. So I go in. I had already sent people ahead to get us a 
table, and I go in, and they're like, yeah, it's going to be 30 minutes. I'm like, okay, we can deal with that. Somebody, and, and I'm looking, there's, there's tables empty all over the place. Somebody else comes up and says, oh, no, man, it's going to be 30 minutes. It's going to be 55 minutes. I'm like, this wasn't even the host. And then my unchristianness started coming out. The guy said, I said, why is it going to be 55 minutes? I said, can we sit here at, the, at these two tables? No, we don't have a server. Three minutes later, they filled both of those two tables up with people that came in after us. And I was not, being, I was not feeling very Christian and Christ-like. So I said to them, do you remember when I asked you like three minutes ago about those two tables? Oh, yeah, but... You have three more people than they did, and we can't handle three more people. And I'm like, he's like, we don't have any servers. And I said, this is my unchristian nature. I said, so you have two people standing here at the greeting station to tell us that you don't have any servers. Well, I'm just the, I'm just the gopher. But he was the one making all decisions, and I, I had to repent. I, mean, I didn't want to repent. I wanted to smack him. But that's not walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. It's just a restaurant. It's just extra. And, and while Jesus did fashion a whip and cleanse the temple... He wouldn't have done that at a restaurant. And while that's a minor thing, but we know that we're maturing when if we used to drink, we're going, yeah, I don't, I don't want to drink anymore. Or if we used to smoke or, or do drugs, or, I don't want to do that anymore. Or if we used to have road rage, we're going, yeah, I'm not doing that anymore. If we used to smart off at the, the host's going, all right, God bless you. Que Dios te bendiga. <laughs> and so I've been in this, had the Holy Ghost for 39 years, but I still have a long way to go, but hopefully I'm better than I was 10 years ago. And what I would tell you is that you know you and God knows you and you are the one you and God are determining to some extent your spiritual maturity because you're, you're making strides and you're not responding like you used to and the desires of your flesh are not what they used to or you're saying no to things that you used to say yes to and now you're saying yes to things that you used to not want to do you're coming to church and you're getting involved in church and you're worshiping and you're saying no to the world we walk in worthy of the Lord in a manner that is pleasing to Him let me hasten. Number three, spiritual maturity is accomplished through God's power. I would tell you that you cannot do this on your own. That you cannot grow into what God wants you to be by yourself, but you need His help. Which is why Paul would write in verse 11, strengthened with all power according to His glorious might. So part of it is 
praying and part of our prayer should be God I want to grow in my relationship with you and I need your help to do what you want me to do and I I need your help to make me into what you want me to be God be at work in me so I can be strengthened with your power and strengthened with your might and living in the world in which we live it's getting more and more difficult to live for Jesus Unless you have Jesus living in you. That you can't live in a way that's pleasing to Him without His power. And without the Holy Spirit working in you, strengthening you, and helping you. That's why the Old Testament writer would say, It's not by might nor by power, but by your Spirit, says the Lord. That's why Paul would write in Ephesians to those Christians at Ephesus, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. That we need his power living on the inside and it's not just a, the Holy Ghost is not just your ticket to heaven but it is Christ in you, the hope of glory. It is power to live above sin. It is power to live in a way that's pleasing to him. Oh, why don't somebody give the Lord a hand clap of praise for His goodness. And when we have His power, the result is this, that we have endurance. That we have patience. And I'm working on it. And those things are accompanied with joy and that that we patiently endure troubles and trials, and we patiently endure the situations that come our way, and we do it with joy because God is at work in us. Moving quickly, number four is this. Spiritual maturity is displayed when we give thanks. Verse 12, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. That when we live a life of thanksgiving, it says something about our maturity. First Thessalonians 5.18, in everything give thanks. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. In everything. In the good times, in the bad times, when things are going well, when you're on top of the world, or when you feel like you're being crushed by the weight of the world, give thanks. Because God is still in control, and He's still good, and He's still the one orchestrating your life. And when we're mature, we can do that. What I would tell you is this, that frequently people come to Jesus when they're having difficulty in their life. Things are going bad, some crisis, some trouble. And they decide, I'll give Jesus a try. You've heard me say this before. 
But oftentimes when people come to Jesus because of a crisis, He will remove them from that crisis or remove that crisis from them and they decide and determine that God should always remove all their troubles and all their trials and all their problems. And sometimes, sometime down the road, when some great tragedy occurs in their life, what once caused them to turn to Jesus now causes them to walk away because they make the assumption that if I'm with Jesus, nothing bad's going to happen. But God is not exempting us from trouble. And while we should not invite trouble and we should not want difficulty to arise when we're becoming mature in Christ, we display that when we can say, it's going really bad, but God is good. Things are not going like I want to, but, but God is good. And, and I thank Him because I'm still in relationship with Him. And no matter what's happening here, I still have hope of heaven. That when we are mature, then we can look to Him and give Him thanks for everything and in everything. A pastor, a friend of mine, he's probably retired now. I haven't talked to him in quite a number of years. B.W. Masters in Herman, Missouri. He was a welder by trade. And pastoring a church as well, but after he had retired from welding, he would help out on projects at the college where I was in administration, and you always knew when B.W. was around. It didn't matter what he was working on or what he was doing. He could be replacing a P-trap on a sink or got, the, got his welding machine out and he just let out, oh, God is good. And he would just let out these praises throughout the day. You always knew where he was because you could hear him giving thanks to God at all times, in all situations. And what I would tell you is our, as we grow in spiritual maturity, even when things are going bad, we can say, hey, God is good. And I'm so thankful to be a child of God no matter what's going on. And sometimes we have to be like the, the lady who comes to the prophet whose son has just died. And he says, how are things? And she says, it is well. Recognizing that God is at work. We display our spiritual maturity when we joyously give thanks. Lastly, we see spiritual maturity is inevitable when we keep our past and our future in mind. Verse 13 would say this, For He rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. This particular point speaks to our motives for spiritual maturity. Question I ask in the introduction is why would we want to grow and 
what would motivate us to grow? The answer is found here. That we will want to grow when we remember what we were and where we were going. That when we realize that, as Paul would write, we were in the kingdom of darkness. When we remember that we were slaves to sin. When we remember that we were on our way to an eternity apart from God and an eternity of torment in the flames of hell. When we remember that. That our eternal destiny was not pretty. Our eternal destiny was not something to look forward to. When we remember our past. But now we think about and recognize our future. Then when we realize that He has taken us from that and from a, being slaves of sin, now we can joyously be servants of Christ. And being bound for hell, now we are on our way to heaven to spend an eternity with Jesus Christ. When we keep that in mind, it will cause us to want to grow in our relationship with Him. It will cause us to want to become spiritually mature. Keep our past and our future in mind. If for no other reason I want to become everything He wants me to be because He has saved me. Anybody thankful for salvation today? Anybody thankful that when we were lost and undone and we didn't know Jesus and we were without hope in the world that Christ died for us some 2,000 years ago and now 2,000 years later that we can put our faith, our hope, our trust in Him. We can turn to Him for salvation and we can have our sins washed away and take His name in baptism. And His Spirit will come and live inside of us. And, and now, instead of being on our way to hell, we're on our way to heaven because of His salvation. Would you give God praise for that right now? And as I was putting this together, there a number of songs came to mind, and because we're using multi-tracks, you can't just get anything. And the old song, He's Coming Soon. I'm looking forward to the day when Jesus Christ comes and takes us to heaven with Him. But until then, I will rejoice and thank God for all of His blessings and I will continue to be about the Father's business of seeking and saving the lost. Or the song that says, when I think about the Lord, how He saved me, how He raised me, how He filled me, how He healed me, it makes me want to shout. It makes me want to praise Him when I think about where I'm going. It makes me want to please Him and serve Him and follow Him when I think about what He's done. Or the Bob Carlisle song, says, I want to see heaven. 
for the faithful carry on. I want to see heaven. Anybody want to see heaven today? Would you just lift your hands right now to the Lord where you're sitting? And would you just ask the Lord to, to minister to you now? Jesus, we love you. We want the power of your spirit, Lord, to touch us right now. God, I pray that your power and your presence would come down and descend upon us. And God, that we would be cognizant of what you have done in our lives. And because of that, God, we would want to be the people that you have called us to be. That we would want to walk in spiritual maturity and understanding. That we would want to grow in our relationship with you. God, let the power of your spirit work in us today. We need you. We desire you. We want to grow into everything you want us to be.